0: Good afternoon. Welcome into the Rainbows and Unicorns edition of the Weekend Recap on PowerMizzou.com presented by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. We will bring Mitchell Forty in here in just a minute and talk about all the glory that is Missouri football and its defense. In just a second, uh, Steve Wilkes tried to construct a new defense this weekend. Didn't really go very well. Uh, but that won't happen to you with True Sun exteriors and interiors. They will stand by all their work. They can do anything you need around the house. They can get you a roof, a siding. They can redo rooms in your house. And hey, there's a five year warranty on it. So they'll, uh, I think that's right. I don't know. Yeah, five year labor warranty. I was right. I've done this enough that I remembered. But they were voted the best of Columbia for home remodeling by Inside Columbia magazine. And like I said, anything inside or outside, they started out as True Sun Exteriors, but a lot of people don't know they're also doing interior work on houses right now and um, truly do great work and will stand by it. All jokes aside, um, it didn't go as well for Missouri trying to uh, build something from scratch this weekend. Mitchell Forty is here. Um, Mitch, we were talking uh, in our extensive pre-show meeting that... um, if you have the second worst run defense in america probably the thing that's going to fix it is to take a guy who wasn't deemed good enough to play the position he came here to play and put him at a brand new position in a scheme your team has never run
1: oh, I'm yeah it was a bold move uh it did not exactly work out um yeah so a few things one Obviously, it is way easier to, you know, second guess from our position. Like, I I don't know what, you know, scheme would would potentially work for Mizzou, (laughs) but it's also not my job to. And B, I guess, you know, you could say like, yeah, it's good that he did something because what they were doing before wasn't working. But, I mean, they took not working to epically new levels against Tennessee. The numbers, you know, obviously speak for themselves. 45 points in the first half, 425 rushing yards, 667 total yards. I mean, it was a complete yeah. and utter meltdown. Uh, you know, I mean, the the reaction, so, uh, as bad as it was, was was pretty well warranted. I mean, it was just, yeah. And so then we saw, uh, you know, Stafford get fired. And uh, I would say Steve Wilkes' seat is extremely warm.
0: So if, if, I, I thought about this during the game. If Josh Heupel had acted like that was zero zero at halftime and just gone out and continued to run his offense and attempted to score and go as fast as he could and all that, like how many points do you think Tennessee could have scored?
1: Yeah, I, I think in the 80s. I would say, let's say, because they had 45 at half, we'll say 87. Give me yeah, 87. <laughs>
0: that makes sense. I mean, they had yeah. – because they had 11 drives – they scored on 10. Honestly, they scored on 11. Yeah. I mean, no, they, that guy they, was in. The, the refs yeah. definitely were just like, yeah, let's just get this over. Yeah, with. Like, the, I appreciate it. The replay official was like, we're not going to make them feel any worse than they already do. So it should have been what they scored 62. They should have scored 69. They settled for field goals. It easily could have been 77. And if Heipel wanted to run at the pace he normally ran. Like, they get two more drives. Like, we're talking 90. We're talking David Klingler at Houston trying to put 100 on post-death penalty SMU at some point. Yeah. Um, I Like, look, there's no reason. I, I did go through some of the numbers, and it was stunning to me. I mean... One time in its history, and I could only go back to 1955 because I can't find numbers before that. One time in its history, Missouri has allowed 300 rushing yards a game. It was in 1991 when Oklahoma had, you know, the third best option attack in America. Nebraska had the second best option attack in America, and Colorado had the best. And Missouri played them all. And oh, by the way, they gave up 334 yards. But actually, teams ran it against them 10 fewer times than they're running it. Or, I'm sorry, 10 more times than they're running it against this Missouri team. Missouri's given up 6.6 yards a carry. It's like, I don't know. We're just trying to find new ways to say everything's awful.
1: Right. And actually, the incredible thing is, I mean, the offense was really bad against Tennessee, too. But yeah. not everything's awful because the fact that Missouri has won two games while giving Amazing. up more than 300 rushing yards per game is actually historic. Because all the other teams that have given <laughs> up that many in the last decade, have none have won more than uh, one game. That so. is
0: actually not true. 2014, <laughs> New Mexico State went 2-10, and ten, giving up more than uh, 300 okay, yards a ten. game. Uh. Now, one of those two was against Georgia State, which also gave up 300 <laughs> rushing yards a game that year.
1: There you go. But so, but yeah, yeah. Uh, win percentage wise, still still historic.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely, it, it is a bit of a miracle. So Justin Ferguson answers the pertinent question. Jethro Franklin was was relieved of his duties uh, yesterday after a uh, five game run as Missouri's defensive line coach. And as Justin asks, everything's fixed now, right? Like we we assume <laughs> this just makes everything good.
1: Yeah, probably not. Uh, the defensive line certainly has not been good this year, and and uh, especially when you consider the preseason proclamations that it might be the strength of the team. That definitely has not aged well. Um, you know, we, we, i got to be honest, we loved Jethro, just only yes. because we saw him from a distance, and he was very entertaining, and he yelled, Poon chun, which I don't. no one knows what that means. Still a mystery. Unfortunately, probably we'll never get to ask him now. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, Sorry, I was distracted by this comment about yeah. uh, about my mic. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's just one of those things, and you touched on this on the board yesterday. Like, you know, you, you don't want to make the drastic move of firing the defensive coordinator midway through the season because, I mean, like, it just it, – it's not really going to solve anything. Like, you're still going to – you know, you, like – Odds are, if Missouri moves on from Steve Wilkes, they're not going to be able to, at the end of the season, they're not going to be able to hire anyone any sooner because they did it midway through the season. So, you know, you you start off, you know, start off at at the lowest level and work your way up if you have to. Um, And yeah, I mean, like. You know, I think it's just more of a an, an appeasing the uh, the masses move than anything. But also I'm not gonna like say that Jethro Franklin like deserved to have more time his unit was not very good.
0: Right. If the defensive line was good, this wouldn't have happened. But um, I'm gonna use what I'll admit is probably a terrible analogy, but it's like when you're a parent, when your kids are idiots and they're getting in trouble. You don't just immediately go to, I'm taking your phone, I'm taking your TV, and you're grounded for six months, right? You, you try to give them a chance. Like, you start with, all right, no dessert, or no phone calls with your friend. You start with something. You don't just immediately go to DEFCON 7. Um, right. So, firing Jethro Franklin is like DEFCON 2. Um, firing Steve Wilkes would be more like DEFCON 5, you know? Yeah. Um, and And – like look he may and Bradley asked what are the chances he's fired before the end of the season I mean look I don't know if I don't think well I was gonna say I don't think fired but I don't know what if North Texas runs for 325 yards Right. That's
1: exactly what I was going to say. Like, if you had last me, asked me last week, I would have said zero. Then they were unimaginably bad this past week. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, it could happen. Like, you know, right now it looks like, okay, he probably doesn't want to, but if they, you yeah, North Texas goes out there and runs for 400 yards, what choice do you have? You know, I mean, if, if you know, if it continues to be this bad, like nothing's really off the table because it's, I, I mean, it's kind of unfathomable. You know, we sat here a few weeks in a row and was like, yes, they're really bad. And it's, there's no excuse, but like, they'll get better. They just kind of have to. And it's gone the opposite way. So if that trend continues, I mean, obviously no one's safe.
0: Well, and what was disturbing – there's two things that were disturbing about Saturday. First, this is game five. I mean, something should have been figured out, and that was actually the worst of the five. And I have seen some awful Missouri football. I've been watching (laughs) games for about 35 years. I mean, I remember I was – 16 or 17, and I turned on, like, they were never on TV, right? And I I was all fired up. They were on TV against Texas A&M. And I turned it on, and they lost 73 to nothing. Like, it was literally the only game that was on TV for, like, two or three years, and I didn't even finish (laughs) watching it because it was so awful. (laughs) Uh, That game alone convinced the Kansas City Chiefs that Greg Hill was an NFL running back, which he, by the way, was not. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, this, at least, like, that was a good A&M team. It was a good Kansas State team that beat Missouri 66-0. That Tennessee team, like, I don't know, they might make the Liberty Bowl. That's like the ceiling for this
1: Tennessee team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, we, we can no longer talk about, you know, yeah, okay, the other team probably had more talent than Missouri. Like, the talent, yes, is, is a problem, but that that is not an excuse for, for what happened on right. Saturday. No. That was so much more than just talent. And I think what you were going to touch on with your second, you know, area of big concern from Saturday, just disturbing thing, is that it, it – there was an effort issue for sure, and actually, I was surprised. Eli Drinkwitz was, was asked after the game, "Did you feel like effort was an issue?" And he said, "No." I, I, I would have to disagree there because I, I bet you know, he didn't say no
0: where, in the meeting rooms.
1: Yeah, there were there were several plays where Mizzou had guys just kind of quit on plays, and I mean that's you, you obviously that is that is where you really do start to be concerned, you know, about the coaching.
0: Tennessee averaged more than four or more than 3.8 yards per carry before being touched. I mean, and yet Mizzou still missed 29 tackles. (laughs) I I don't believe that number, by the way. God love PFF, but that can't be right. But uh, my point in that is I don't understand how a team with approximately 40 scholarship players on defense could. it, It wasn't just that they ran for 452 yards. It was that 228 of them happened would literally have happened in a game of one hand touch. In the, I mean, it was like, it was like Tennessee was playing a junior high team and that junior high team just had absolutely no ability. And look, these guys are better than that. And I don't have any idea what has gone on in the locker room. I have no indication like mass guys are transferring anything like that, but you can't watch that game and think there isn't something more than talent and scheme. Like no scheme is that bad. And this talent isn't that bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like you said, we really have no idea what's going on. My guess is, at least part of it is, I, I think these guys are just, I, their confidence must be, you know, absolutely shot. I mean, like, obviously they, you know, the, the run defense had been bad, but I I thought there were several plays where it looked like, I mean, like, you know, the linebackers looked like they were just guessing on where, where to go. They were just like looking confused, just like standing in spot and then yeah. someone would run by it right by them. Also, one of those linebackers, as you mentioned, was a defensive lineman who had never played linebacker right. before. So that could have had something to do with it. Everyone was standing in a new spot. So, you know, that that, that probably played a role as well.
0: And, and look, it is important to say again. Steve Wilkes knows more about football, has forgotten more about football than I do. If you asked me, design a defense that's going to stop Josh Heupel's offense, I couldn't do it, and I'm not trying to say I can't. But I do need somebody to explain to me how you have the second worst run defense in America, and your thought to fix it is actually to take a guy off the line of scrimmage and it wasn't just a three-three-five. It was like they were all six-packed, like between the guards. I mean, it was yeah, they were it was insane. Like, sta- look. Yeah,
1: they were they were like stacked up in yeah, yeah. behind and, each other, and uh, yeah, there were so many times where it just seemed like the linebackers would like run right into the back right, of the defensive right. lineman, and then there was just a massive hole. It was uh, literally yeah, again, all
0: that guy has yeah. to do is make one cut. I mean, I'm not sure the tackles had anybody to block the way Missouri was right. lined up, and I know Dave Matter wrote something that. Uh, uh, or had tweeted that that was the defense that some uh, AAC teams used against Heupel when he was at UCF. But you know what UCF had when he was there that this Tennessee team didn't have? Mackenzie Milton, who was an act, like they wanted to throw the football a lot. You knew coming into this game that Tennessee's thought wasn't going to be, let's throw 55 passes and win the game. They're running the ball 61% of the time. The quarterbacks are average at best throwing the football. That looked to me like a defense that was designed to stop Josh Heupel's 2019 offense or 2017 offense rather than the one he actually brought.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it wouldn't have even stopped that one either, by the way, because Tennessee's receivers were open all day. They hardly needed to throw, but they had guys open all day. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah. Really, you can't actually belabor how bad it was. Like, normally, you know, you get on the internet after a game, you're like, okay, I think everyone's overreacting. Like, it's hard to overreact to how bad, I mean, 425 rush yards and 667 total yards are. That's as bad as it gets.
0: I mean, anybody who's followed our site since you've been here or since I started in 2003 understands it takes a lot for us to not just vehemently disagree with someone needs to be fired for this. Mm. I, I wasn't going to like, there was no take too strong coming out of Saturday. And a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, other than the head
1: coach, obviously he's, you know, he's under right. contract for way too right. long. It's a second year. He's, he's, you know, the seat's not hot or anything like that, but, as you wrote in your column, you know, this does start to, you know, magnify the, uh, the, you know, the magnifying glass or in- increase it, the scrutiny around him a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, it, he's no longer the guy who can do no wrong. It starts yes. to like, be like, OK, wow, let's see if he can let's see if he can be the guy because now I'm not so sure that was uh, that was pretty discouraging.
0: Yeah, that's the difference. He's he's not in trouble. His seat isn't hot. But he no longer just has free rope of everything he does is automatically right. He is no longer right. football Jesus to Missouri fans. And that's a result of of uh, Saturday without question. So uh, Robert uh, brings up, uh, you know, kind of just his personal thing from this weekend. And I think it, it leads to a larger point. He says 31 went down this weekend, Friday to Sunday, had bought back in first game since 2013, 20 minutes sitting in the rain. The game was over, and that really left a bad taste in my mouth. So, look, I fully admit, I have said the onus has been on Missouri fans. Like, you need to show up and show this guy that all these things you're tweeting are, no, that's gone. No more complaints about how many people show up. I don't care if there are 12,000 people against North Texas. That performance earned that. There, there gets to be zero complaining about buy-in and support and all that. You have to give them something, and Missouri is giving them almost nothing, right?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, yeah, the, the crowd wasn't anything, yeah, special Saturday. But, you know, it yeah, doesn't need to – I mean, yeah, moving forward, like I wouldn't blame anyone who doesn't want to go, go watch that team. So, yeah,
0: 100%. And uh, I, I just think – and we talked about this a little coming into the game, but obviously it was even worse. The most discouraging thing to watch in football is just to – I mean, look, if you've got a guy out there slinging balls all over and Aaron Rodgers is fitting a ball in windows that it shouldn't be fit in and all that, you get it. But when they're just handing the ball off and running straight up the middle and there's nobody there, it's the most discouraging thing to watch in sports. Mm -hmm, For sure,
1: yeah. And like I said, it wasn't – I mean – just I just felt like Mizzou's defense it looked so discombobulated I mean it looked like there were guys just like standing straight up and just kind of looking around like they just had no clue what to do it was honestly fairly surreal so yeah I mean so I don't know how much how much more we can say it it was not good right (laughs) so like how does this get fixed that's the thing. I don't know. And I don't I mean, I truly like I, I don't have like I mean, obviously, like we said, it's not our jobs to come up with a a scheme that would fix this defense. But like, I have no idea. I mean, it seems to me that, you know, I mean, like I said, these guys are, are seem lost on the field. And clearly this was an attempt to change things, you know, and it made it worse. So, like, I don't really know. I mean, I have no idea what the answer is uh, other than maybe you just try to dumb it down as much as possible and say just, you know, beat the guy in front of you and try to tackle the ball carrier. But, like, I don't know if that was going to work. Why wouldn't they have? I'm sure, like, that's kind of been tried to do already. So, like, I I don't know. I don't I think it is, you know, I'm past the point of where I was a few weeks ago saying, like, okay, yeah, they'll get better. They'll get it. They'll get it fixed a little and maybe just go from the worst to bad. Like, I don't I don't know if that's even on the table.
0: I mean, I think they will get better. They you know, like then Saturday, yeah, but right. like, but I mean, I would be shocked if they end the season giving up 300 rushing yards and 500 total yards a game. I I don't think it's going to be that bad, but it is going to be bad. um I, like I, the most amazing thing I did this morning was literally, if Missouri gives up zero rushing yards the last seven weeks of the season, and everyone else continues to give up their average, Missouri is still 53rd in the country in run defense. Like, zero yeah. yards for seven weeks. That's, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's kind of cool, actually. I, yeah. I, I kind of liked that number. But that's that um, wild. But, no, you know, the, the key is what you said earlier. Look, I'm not getting paid $1.2 million to know how to fix it. Like, I don't, my job is to not, is not to be the doctor who does the operation that fixes you. But, like, I can tell if the bone's sticking out of your leg that something's wrong, right? So so I can sit here and say, yo, dude, this isn't right. Now, I don't know what to do about it, but but I know it's not right. I know that bone should be covered by some skin or something.
1: There you go yeah, that's a that's a fair analogy, and yeah, so I don't know yeah I, I really don't i I don't have an idea for how it gets better, other than that like you know there are there are like three teams left on the schedule whose offenses are like you know who aren't that good, like North Texas, South Carolina, and Vandy, so like your numbers will probably look better against them because you know maybe they'll screw things but up, but Boston
0: like, College is not that good, Tennessee not yeah. that good, you right. know. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee without the numbers against Missouri, Tennessee would be 50th in the country in total offense. Like they're fine, you know, yeah. they're, they're they're not bad, but they're not good. Um, so the way it ultimately gets fixed is just next year, mm. with with not only with new players, but also with whether it is Steve Wilkes or somebody else going back to like the season ends probably the day after Thanksgiving at this point. Right. So. With Eli Drinkwoods then saying, All right, cool, take the weekend. I'm gonna see you on Monday morning. And every single day we're gonna be in here figuring out what to do on defense and why what we didn't what we did, didn't work and what can uh, what can work next year. And so kind of leads to uh, Keegan saying, you know, with the new rule, um, how big do you think this class ends up being? Basically, you can replace up to seven transfers out which gives you the ability to sign up to 32 players this year. Um, look, if I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I might have my entire front seven out of the transfer portal next year. Like that That's really not an exaggeration, because there's going to be guys leave, whether they're told to leave or they leave on their own, whatever. We know there are going to be guys leave. Um, and... Look, if we we look at what he did in the transfer portal last year, I think we agree uh, Caleb Evans was a good get, right? At least fine. I don't know. He looked bad on Saturday. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, better than – he was an upgrade over what
0: they had. Right. He's probably been their best defensive back so far, or at least their best corner. Um, Blaze Aldridge, like, he's a guy, and that's fine, but the fact that he is starting – is much more reflective of the rest of your roster than it is of him. I mean, right. You know, everybody made a big deal. Hey, it was two time all conference. It's CUSA, man. It's just not the yeah. same thing.
1: I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I said for Evans, he's better than what they had. That's true of Aldrich as well, but I mean, it's not good enough. Like you, you if you were going to target one guy to come in and replace Bolton, you needed to, you needed him to be better than that, frankly. So that I think you would count that one as a mess.
0: Yeah. Um, Allie green, I, I don't know. I guess maybe it looks better now than it did on Friday because suddenly, after basically not playing for two weeks, he played like fifty-five snaps or something like that. Sixty-six.
1: But yeah. There he you go. Didn't play at all, which I whatever. but but uh, yeah, he's a guy. I, don't know. I mean, not not too much there. Yeah. Right.
0: And and Connor Wood, like, I get sometimes it happens, but for the most part, you're probably not going from the Big Sky to starting in the SEC. In a year. I, I mean, it's I just... Do, yeah, and I
1: do think he's a guy with, what, a couple more years left after this one. I think that was maybe more of a looking down the, you know, yeah. years down the line type of pickup. But, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you, they brought in, you know, him, EJ Domo-Ogar, Mookie Cooper, those other guys you mentioned, and and they have years left. Right. But, yeah, of, of the ones we've talked about, Caleb Evans is the only one to, you would really say, like, be a, you know, kind of a difference maker this year, a really net positive, and uh, that's not a great ratio. So, yeah, like you said... They can load up in the transfer portal this offseason, and they probably will. But you still gotta kind of wait for this coaching staff to prove that that's you know that, that, that they can identify guys there who right. can make a difference.
0: Because even like you said, Indoma Ogar, like I don't know, isn't it a little bit concerning he can't start on this offensive line? Yeah,
1: especially when the guy who's listed as the starter at his position, like it's Case her. Cook, missed two and a half
0: games. Yeah. And uh, Mookie Cooper, we understand, hey, maybe it's all injury, maybe it's not. I don't know. Nobody's writing him off, but, you right, know, yeah. obviously. That's, that's a
1: little bit different than the guys above. He, had, yeah. he He's basically – he really hardly counts as a transfer. He's a freshman. Well, he hadn't yeah. played in three years, but that's still. Fair.
0: That's fair. But even the year before, like, Kiki Chisholm, he's a good number two or three, probably number three receiver, honestly, on an SEC team. Uh, but, you know, your number one receiver is a D2 transfer. And, again, that is not an insult to Kiki Chisholm. It says more about what the roster is as a whole right now. And I think next year, is the year, that's got to change, man. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if his guys are not taking reps away from some of these guys that everybody's so upset about that Barry Odom brought in in year three, then that's a problem.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, again, it's not saying, like, all of a sudden, oh, he could get fired after next year or anything. Not like that. But, yeah, you you just – you know the the hope has always been, and we've said it. You know, be patient. You know, they, they know they need talent, all this stuff. But th- there are definitely it's starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, uh, I I don't just need to see you recruit the talent. I need to see the talent do something when it gets here, and that's on you as a coaching staff to you know develop them and put them in the right position. And there's just there's starting to be a few question marks creep in in that area.
0: And again, if you had told me at the beginning of the year they're going to be two and three headed into North Texas, I'd have believed you. Like that doesn't. I picked them to lose Kentucky. I knew they could lose BC and I knew they could lose Tennessee. It's not that they're two and three, it's that it went from, yeah, hey, you're a player two away from, oh my God, what was that? It's one of the 10 worst Missouri football performances I've ever seen. I don't think that's an exaggeration, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, certainly one of the worst I've ever seen. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. And, you know, you, I know you said before the season, like, look, if they go five and seven, I'm not going to kill anyone. It's a step back. And, and maybe, you know, if they play the rest of this season pretty well, maybe win one of the, you know, games they, they maybe aren't going to be favored in or something like that and get to five and seven. It's like, OK, you know, he had one bad week. But if but, but I mean you know if, if 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 it continues like it did this past week where they have just games where it's oh, like yeah. i mean you know totally off and and that has been a little bit of a trend and there's been an excuse in some of the ones last year you know that but they right. got blown out a lot last season like what well, all of the five
0: every, losses i think were yes. it, everybody yeah, were, wanted to say that mississippi state game well missouri had a ton of covid issues yeah but so did mississippi state
1: exactly missouri had yeah. no and,
0: desire to be at that game it was very obvious away
1: blown out by a bad Tennessee team last year too. So yeah, I mean like it is starting to become a little bit of a trend where things start to go the wrong way and can can escalate. Again, it's early. We you yeah. know, we need to we need to know more. We're not making any sweeping decisions right. mid-season on Eli right. goods or anything like that. It's just that these are the things you start to you, you know, you you start to talk about um especially when things went as south as they did on Saturday.
0: They've got to win this weekend. They've got to beat Vandy. They've got to beat South Carolina. And you know, it would do a lot of people a lot of good if you can find one against AM or, or Arkansas, which I still don't think is impossible. Um no, you know AM looks terrible. <laughs> nobody wants to be judged on their worst day. I, yeah. Yeah, what the Missouri team we saw Saturday is not Missouri. Right now, I don't know what the ceiling is. It's lower than than what we thought it was, but that is not representative of this team. Um, we usually keep this to half an hour. We're probably going to go a little bit longer just because we have things to say and we have some questions to get to. Uh, Justin wants to know if we got any update on Realist George. We didn't. He was, according to someone I know, sitting in the stands on Saturday. It has been posted on our board that it seems to have been a suspension. Nobody from Missouri is saying that. I we have They're no also answer not and we do Right. Yeah. We have no the basic answer is the people who we are required to go through to find out this information do not know. I, I mean that's the answer. We we have certain channels we have to go through to get this information. We have asked them now for three days and or for two days and no they don't know. So we'll let you know when they know, I guess, is uh, but ultimately, he didn't play last week. I assume he'll be back and play this week, but but I have no idea. So the, the thing that, that people are concerned about now is recruiting, and Kyle asks if it's safe to say we aren't getting any commits from the weekend visitors. I mean, I, no, not necessarily, right? I mean – if, if bad teams never got any good recruits, then they would always just be bad teams. You know, I mean, <laughs> Gary Pinkle never would have built a program if he wasn't able to get it. It's, now, look, I think Saturday made their job harder is what I've said. Like, it definitely made the sales pitch a little bit more difficult, but it doesn't mean they just can't recruit now.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I do think that is maybe the one area of overreaction from from the weekend. It's like like the, these recruits weren't under any you know kind of illusion that Mizzou was some powerhouse. They knew they had flaws, and like yeah, that was bad. But like I don't know. It, like you said, they they weren't. If they just wanted to go to a team that was blowing everyone out, they would already be going to yeah. those teams. They're most for the most part again aside Luther Burden, the one exception. But for the most part, they're not good enough to go to those teams. That's why you know Mizzou's in the running to get them, and a lot of the teams they're recruiting against have issues as well. So, like, I think they'll be okay. I mean, this staff has shown the ability to, you know, sell themselves and sell recruits on coming in and and turning it around. I I think... You know i don't think that uh, that game alone is going to be the cause for concern you know if we see more staff turnover does that mean probably maybe we, you see one or two guys you know that were on board hop off or, or that had mizzou on a short list cut them out maybe uh, but that's also you know that when you get rid of a, a guy you know you don't say if at the end of this year this it's not going well or after this next week you're like ah well if we fire steve wilkes we're going to lose that one four-star commit like no it's not worth it because you need a better coach in there who probably knows his you know will be able to form relationships with guys that you know didn't have previously right so and
0: people kind of have <laughs> reacted to the Marquise Gracial tweet which we don't have any idea what it was about right now yeah who knows <laughs> it would seem coincidental for it to come out 45 minutes after Jethro Franklin was fired the coach at his position at the school he's going to and it not be related but it is possible it's not related but even if it is if you thought Jethro Franklin's not good enough to do the job here you don't keep him to sign Marquise Graciel you just don't. Right. I mean, you exactly you, you move on.
1: And I will say this the one thing that Steph does is it, it's very rare that there's just like one guy recruiting a prospect. I mean, like, I, I know that, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has been in, quite involved with, with Gracial. DJ Smith, Smith kind of his, his lead recruit. recruiter. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think that, you know, losing one position coach is going to impact things too much. So, who knows?
0: All right. Uh, now, Robert, I'm putting this question up because this kind of leads to, I, I know it's amazing that in these 30 minutes of basically just railing everything, we haven't gotten to my actual biggest problem with Saturday's game, but now here we are. Uh, Robert Connolly says, is Elijah Young just a guy or is Drink a coach that plays mainly one guy? Would also love to see more Michael Cox. And I know you guys asked about, you know, was there a thought of changing quarterbacks on Saturday? And he said, no, Connor needs every rep he can get. I, I can't for the life of me understand why that's a game where, some of the the young guys didn't get in and you get a look at them in a game situation.
1: Yeah, I kind of don't either. I mean, really the only explanation I can think of is just like, it's sending a message type of thing. Like, right. look, you know, you get in when we're winning, it's, when we're, when you are, when our team earns the right to get you in, we have, you all haven't played well enough, you know, starters you are going to go out there and, and wear this one and we're going right. you know, to, we need, we need something to build off of for this week. It's like so. when your
0: starting pitcher gives up eight runs in two thirds of an inning and the manager visits the mound and says, Sorry, I'm not wasting anybody else because you aren't good enough at your job. You're going to sit out here and you're going to give up twenty.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I can see it being something where he tells the, you know, the younger guys like, "Look, sorry, that the starters, you know, that's on them. You can, you can, <laughs> you can right. blame them for that one if you want." I don't know. I, I don't really. I, I don't know if that little motivational lesson is worth, you know, the, the extra, you know, like hits on these guys and and not seeing what you've got in maybe some other guys at certain right. positions, but. Whatever. Well, I mean, because, I, 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 I I understand some of the complaints about it. I just think that like it was just it was such a disaster of a day. Like that's that's not at the very top of my list of issues. And I
0: and say. I understand that nobody got hurt, so that's fine. But if you put Elijah Young or Michael Cox in that game to use the two guys Robert's talking about, or on the other side of the ball, Damian Wilson or Tyler Hibbler, I d I don't care. Just throw out anybody. You know what? Those guys might hit the field and go oh, my God, I got a chance. Like, mm-hmm. maybe you would see some heart and some effort and some fight in your team in the yeah. second half because you're you're telling guys, hey, I don't know, first guys <laughs> didn't get it done, so whatever. We're basically giving up. Go out there and show us what you got. I, I mean, Missouri wasn't winning that game. That was over at halftime. Mm-hmm. So what happens if you throw Elijah Young out there against a Tennessee defense that is, is decent and all of a sudden, he busts off two 35-yard runs. You know, then maybe you go, yeah. hey, maybe we got something we didn't know we had. And with the four-game redshirt rule, I, I don't really... I, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't... I, I, I mean, I'm not going to belabor it for weeks after the, the fact. I, I just don't really get it. But here is the one thing I would absolutely have done if I were Eli Drinkwitz last night. I would have walked into film or meetings or whatever they have on Sundays, and I would have said, okay... Um, Connor Bazelak is starting at quarterback next week, and Tyler Beatty is starting at running back. And if you are not one of those two human beings, I don't know if you're starting on Saturday, and I will determine that between Tuesday and Thursday of this week.
1: Yeah. You forgot Harrison Mavis, of course. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I just, just joking. No, uh, so yeah, I, I agree, and I can totally see your argument that, uh, you know, yeah if you didn't like the heart and effort, then take those guys off the field. I mean, frankly, I was stunned when Ennis Raikstra was back out there in the second half after I saw him, I mean, visibly give up on that one play and it ended up, you know, getting a lot of attention on Twitter, but it was noticeable in real time. And I don't want to just pile on one kid. Um, but that one was just striking to me. I, I, I definitely I, I'm surprised knowing, you know, I mean we, we all get to know coaches. Like that's that strikes me as the type of thing that would you'd say, okay, you know what, you're done for the day. I don't care if we think the guy behind you is not as good. That's like we need to send a message that's not okay. Um, I will say though, touching real quick on the running back position, Tyler Beatty ended up with a the bulk by far of the touches. He actually really didn't play very much in the second half. I think he was out there for maybe like two series. They actually did put Elijah Young and BJ Harris out there. They just never ran the ball because they were losing by a billion points. So, you know, they did kind of limit his touch. Now he touched the ball every play in the first half. So it still looks like he, uh, you know, got a full game's worth of touches. They did spare him a few. They pulled Case Cook towards the end as well. He had been banged up, but yeah, I, I I can absolutely like, I'm not going to argue with anyone who says, you know, yeah. Why not? Why not throw the younger guys out there, see what you got in them, and send a message to the the guys who started the game that they weren't good enough. I I think that's a valid, uh, you know, a valid argument.
0: Drake has another question that I asked actually during the game. Why is Boo Smith not playing more? He makes plays almost every snap he gets. He yeah, I, he uh, has somewhere around twenty two or twenty three snaps for the season. I think. Yeah. He has two yes. touchdowns and a sixty five yard reception and another long. Rece- I don't know. I, I I've got yeah, no, no idea. That,
1: that is one one criticism I, I can get behind. Um, yeah,
0: I, and part of it, part of
1: why he, you know, I'm sure it seems like he makes explosive plays every time he's out there is because they clearly do scheme up things specifically for him. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's not like you've got a bunch of other receivers exactly setting the world on fire out there, uh, especially Saturday. I thought he provided some... I mean, his catch down the sidelines was really nice. He scored on the jet sweep. And like you said, it seems like good things happen when you put him on the field, so throw him out there more.
0: The, the only explanation I can come up with is that he is completely incapable of blocking, so they can't put him out there in the run game. And I don't know that to be true. It's just the only thing I can figure out. But also, it seems to me like if you put a guy out there and more than 50% of the time he's on the field, he's getting the ball, at some point, other teams are going to figure out, oh, he's on the field, he's getting the ball, and then it's not going to work, right?
1: yeah yeah no i've I've kind of said the same thing actually. It was funny when he came out there on Saturday. I was like, oh, boo Smith in the game, they're going deep to him and then they didn't, but then two plays later they did
0: <laughs> right. so um, I don't know, man i I feel like we've covered it all. There's no point talking about next week. Let's just say it. I mean Missouri's favored by twenty. um if they don't win this game convincingly, then yeah, things are still really bad. like I'm not gonna say they're worse. I don't know how they get worse, but uh they're still bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, you just need to, at a minimum, you need to see just some some turning around from a, an attitude and, a, like, awareness standpoint. Like, you know, you can't see players just looking confused out there. You can't see people getting pushed around. And blown. I mean, you just, at a minimum, like, you want to you see your a team looking like it has something to play for, and this is, right. you know, its biggest game on the schedule because it has to be, because it has to be better than it was last week. So. And, and Drinkwood we'll
0: drink said last week that the key to... The defense improving was getting their guys' confidence back. Well, wherever it was last week, it is far lower this week, right? Yeah, I mean it's kind of. It that's should what be I
1: was struck by on Saturday. It's just like I, I, I thought they just looked totally lost, and I don't know how you fix that in a week. I really don't.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I feel like we should end this saying something good. You got anything good? Uh,
1: gosh, well, not really. I mean, <laughs> I Drew Locke played, but he was a disaster.
0: It wasn't so. good. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I don't have
1: much. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. Uh, well, yeah.
0: I, I've got something. It's it's not gonna be all good, but uh, we are we are in the uh, we are in the the phase of Missouri fandom that we start to now convince ourselves that basketball season is going to rescue everything, right? So, hey, we'll have basketball media day on Wednesday. Uh, this point. season doesn't start till like November 10th. So you've got a good solid month to convince yourself that this is a no doubt NCAA tournament team until like January 25th when you're super mad and you want the coach fired and you convince yourself that Missouri football will win 10 games next year.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah. Oh, January 25th, by the way, is extremely <laughs> generous. Little it's late. usually
0: it's, it's, – what you say? It starts November
1: 10th. It'll probably be like December, like a oh, month I'm, in. It'll be like, all right, right. when spring football start. I Wednesday. was just
0: trying to say maybe we'd get through without a loss to Sam Houston or South Carolina State or whoever. The, the, non-cons, team the non-con's fairly
1: tough. There's, I mean, yeah. you know, they, they can, there's, there's a lot of losable games in there.
0: Yeah, well <laughs> – it's the cycle of life. Uh, I'm being cool extra dessert. negative today. <laughs> All right, man. Well, appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you. Uh, well, we'll talk to you here on Wednesday. I'll probably talk to you before then. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. We're going to let Mitch go. i uh, going to remind you guys that this show is brought to you every Ooh. Monday uh, by someone that is fully capable of a rebuild and a reconstruction and that is true son exteriors and interiors they will get the job done for you guys uh they will work on your time frame and work with you on any home project you have sometimes you need a professional to come see your space and help make it work for you And the team over at True Sun Exteriors and Interiors was voted the best of Columbia 2021 when it comes to home remodeling. They can do it all. It's not just a name. It's a passion at True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. You can get a hold of them on the internet at truesunexteriors.com, or you can also call them at 573-442-7292 and set up an appointment. Uh, Look, guys, it it wasn't the most positive show, but... um, Hey, if you want, if you want us to, to blow sunshine where the sun don't shine, the probably you're on the wrong site um, because there's not a lot to to feel great about. Maybe there will be next week. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll have the recruiting show tomorrow with Sean Williams. Mitch will be back on Wednesday with the 573 report, and we'll uh, start looking ahead to North Texas for homecoming at 3 o'clock on Saturday. So appreciate all you guys being here. While you're here, before you leave, hit that like button. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, leave the podcast a good review. Leave some nice comments, and we appreciate you guys. Once again, check out True Sun Exteriors, and we will talk to you all later on.